Greetings and salutations. Welcome to a special episode of the Black History Fashion Show. It's your host, Lester Cahill, and on this urgent night after this chaotic and urgent week, I decided to uh, turn to a couple of my long, long time friends. Actually, they came to me and they were uh, both distressed by the events of the past week. And I thought, you know, this is Black History right in front of us. And this is the Black History Fashion Show. And I thought I'd put them on the recording with us this week. Apologize up front. We're having some technical difficulties. Uh, Not riot related, I might add. It's just all on my end. No smoke here, no police, no Antifa, no Black Lives Matter, no looters. It's just your boy Lester having some issues. So we are going to uh, discuss some of our thoughts. We thought you might want to hear from some regular non-celebrity types, non-blue check Twitter types on our honest and raw feelings and emotions on what has happened. These two gentlemen bring, I think, a perspective that will be edifying and certainly something you'll want to hear. And later in the show, we'll I'll, I'll circle back to some experiences I've had with the police with each of them. <laughs> uh, you know, nothing too dramatic, but a little drama, but I think, you know, just highlighting these episodes will, uh, will lend some more uh, clarity to our current situation. So we might go a little long today. You know how on the Black History Fashion Show, we go a little long sometimes. We'll see how it goes, how the conversation goes. Glad that you allowed us into your headphones, into your earphone space this week, and hope you enjoy the show after the break. I'll introduce you to my two great friends. My uh, One's been here before, BT, and a friend you have not met before, Jay McDraw. So we'll get started after the break here on the Black History Fashion Show. get started uh, with tonight's podcast. I want to introduce my first guest, uh, longtime friend of mine, resident. I think it's okay if I, if I give your state out. I don't want to give your exact location. I don't want any looters to uh, to locate your, your palatial mansion you have there. Is that okay, Jay? Uh, yeah, that'll be fine. I don't think that's total doxing. Yeah, that'll be fine. Okay, great. So, Jay McDraw, my great friend from South Carolina. I won't say if he's from Charleston or the upstate or the Piedmont, but my uh, my longtime friend Jay McDraw is here with us, and and I knew something was up because he's a he's a level headed guy, easygoing guy, and he knew I was in Minneapolis, and I got some urgent text messages from him, and you know I I I could uh, I can sense through the text message that he was anguished by all this, and. So I wanted to bring Jay on and, uh, you know, Jay, just tell the audience, you know, how all of this has hit you. I mean, we've had a while when you first texted me, it was just right after, and I'm going to call it murder. I'm going to call it murder all night. So if you don't like that on this podcast, you might want to skip this episode. I'm, I'm skipping right to murder. Sorry if that offends you, but, uh, Jay, tell us how this is this entire week has hit you. You can take us from, 
the arrest and murder of George Floyd all the way, you know, even through tonight. So I'll, I'll give you the floor here. Has it been, has it been a week or is it a week tomorrow? Um, it, the news at least broke out fast on, on this one and, and the reaction was fast. And that honestly, a week ago, I was still, I wouldn't say coming down from the, but still following the aftermath of the Ahmaud Arbery case, which, you know, it is in the lower part of Georgia, but um, that one, uh, that was just, just terrible. Everything about it, and uh, watching the back and forth, watching the case evolve, and Tuesday, last Tuesday, I followed a link on Twitter to the video of um, George, of George, and what do you say? I, you just see a man literally die on camera right there in front of you watching on your phone or your or wherever you watch these things, and uh, it, little, it's just, it was just surreal to watch, obviously, and I, don't, I haven't watched it since. I don't think I need to watch it again. It was that troubling. Um, and you just wonder, what, how could this happen again so soon? How could it happen so blatantly? How could it happen surrounded by four officers of the law? And then I realized where it was happening, and I, I, was, I, wasn't, I was pretty anguished. I think that was a good word. Um, I think the words I used to you, I texted you when I realized where it was, and you and I have been talking more the last few months probably than we had in a while, and and I was aware of, of how these things are getting to you, and they should, and it's natural that they would, but then I realized this had to have happened close to you, so that's why I reached out, and I think the words I used were, I was ready to cry or fight somebody or just have a stroke right then and there to see that, see that video, and... You know, thankfully, it, it hit a nerve nationwide. Um, I, was, I was almost surprised that it did. Um, but I am kind of distressed that a lot of people, and it's usually people of a certain persuasion, are treating this one case like it's like it stands alone. Like, everything's been fine, and then this happens. The, the, those of us who pay attention, we know that's not the case. This is, this is the latest. It's terrible. They're all terrible. Um, so that brought us to, I was glad that later that night you responded and said, let's get together and talk about it. And uh, I've been kind of wondering what I would say about it. I've, um, you know, I've been following, obviously, following the news like everybody else. Um, I was astonished that the men were, I think they were fired right away, pretty much immediately after this got out. But no charges were brought. Then a couple of days later, charges were brought against the officer who who was uh, who actually killed George. Um, but we don't know if anything's going to happen to the the other officers on the team. I certainly hope something happens. Um, we came up on the weekend, and people started to demonstrate. Um, and of course, the demonstration becomes another element of it. And um, you know that's. Sometimes it's unfortunate. Sometimes it's, it's just going to happen. I, I don't really have a lot of judgments about that personally. Um, I, I regret. I regret people are hurt and killed and and you know things are destroyed or whatever. But uh, you know, people are people have just had it had it for a while. But now it seems they've really hit, really, really had it. You know, um, this weekend. Um, had 
the opportunity to go to the largest city near us and uh, participate in a Black Lives Matter rally. And, you know, there's a city, the big cities in, in South Carolina are, are, they're not big cities, but, but um, they get good crowds for something like this. And we joined a, a throng of a thousand or so people in a very peaceful march, um, very positive. In the end, it was actually was led along with community leaders. It was led um, by a representative of the county sheriff. Um, actually, the sheriff himself marched with the crowd, and we actually were too far in the back to see that. Um, but it was a positive experience, and it became important for me and for my oldest children who who wanted to be there. Just to be there, just to say, we are allies, and we want to be a part of this and stand alongside um, those who are directly affected by these things. So that's brought us a little more uh, peace. I've been able to calm down a little bit, but um, you know, I, I probably should stay out of the comment sections of Twitter and, and Facebook. <laughs> right. <laughs> Keep my sanity. And I know I say that, but it's like a moth of flame, man. I just, <laughs> I, I want to be a part of it, but I want to, you know, I want to keep my cool too. So. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, yeah. No, go ahead. Then, go ahead. Uh, that, brings, uh, that brings us about to where we are now. Um, you know, no, we don't know what's going to happen if anything changes. We certainly know that, and I know some of the things we're going to talk about, I think, things we'd like to see, things we hope we'll see. So, yeah, that, that pretty much, uh, where all of this is concerned, that pretty much uh, explains my week. So. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Jay. Uh, and I should tell the listeners, I don't, it, it doesn't occur to me because Jay's just uh, someone close to me, but, you know, he is white, he is Caucasian, so I just wanted to maybe make that clear for for some of you out there, and uh, it's okay if you're white and you have an opinion on this issue because if you have read my blog or gone to any iterations of my blog or listened to this show, you know I don't conceive of police brutality or police misconduct as a, quote, black issue, close quote. I consider it an issue of governance, poor governance that infects the entire United States and an issue that we should all care about. So... Um, again, um, you know, to me, it doesn't matter. It, I, I want sentient human beings who care, who are paying attention. That's who I want to interact with on this issue. So it doesn't matter to me, but I thought you might want to know audience just for clarity. So thanks, uh, Jay, for your thoughts. And you hit on a couple of things that I do want to come back to later, but I now want to go to my trauma correspondent. I mean, uh, the last time you, you were on BT, was right after um, the Nipsey Hussle murder, right? So, uh, you know, once again, I'm sorry to have you on just to talk about something something tragic. But again, I heard from you last week, just like I heard from Jay. And you know, you and I, this is ain't this ain't our first first rodeo, right? You know, seen this a lot and have experienced things a lot with the police. Uh, individually and even together. So, um, you know, just you're in Southern California, Jay's in South Carolina. So we'll have coast to coast coverage here. So 
I'll, I'll give you the floor here as our disaster correspondent kind of, but I want to get your thoughts. You know, we're the same age. We grew up in the same areas and we've seen much of the same thing. So, you know, tell the uh, black history fashion show audience, you know, how this all hit you over the past week. Uh, first of all, I want to say thanks for having me on again, Lester and, and Jay, thanks for, uh, for, for your, for your comments. Um, I think I'm just like Jay. I I um I was coming off of this, uh, or just looking at all the things that have to deal with the 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 Ahmed Arbery case. You know, um, I have some people that live in Brunswick, Georgia. You know, some close family members. So, you know, when they said, "Hey, something that went down in Brunswick," you know, it immediately drew my attention. And uh, and I, you know, I had a uh, some strong opinions about that. And then, bam, this turns around and happens. Um, immediately, I just thought, like, oh, my God, here we go again. And um, But the beautiful thing that came out of this was, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I'll, I'll come back to it. Um, the the out, outpouring of love from everyone i mean you know you have all different uh walks of life you know protesting and and you know and 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 setting up these marches and everything and it just goes to show you man that uh everyone's going through something you know and it um and, and that's that that's kind of the it's the beauty of it and 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 the solidarity of it. I, I, I like that because it took it away from, you know, because I'm, I'm a, I'm a 50 year old black man. It took away from, uh, this was, a you know, police versus black man or, or it took, it took the race out of it, you know, at, you know, underneath, underneath it all, we understand, you know, you know, what it was about and all that, but it, it, it lessened that a little bit for me personally, you know, so it took that, that emotion out of it, you know, just to see the outpouring of, of everyone, because see, it's not just about us per se being black people, you know, because everyone is going through something and everyone, that's just beautiful just to see, you know, the, the solidarity, the people coming together, you know, as a, you know, we don't have a unifying voice, let's say as um, Martin Luther King or someone like that to, to, you know, to uh, put all of our grievances together and, and, you know, to help us uh, formulate a plan, organize us, you know, organize the people and formulate a plan. But, you know, you know, we have each other. And, and, and I, I think that's, uh, I think that was the beautiful thing that came out of it. You know, just the, just, you know, people from all walks of life just coming together. And, you know, this thing is, it is, it's national, you know, just nationally, it just, it started there in Minnesota and, you know, all the different cities around the United States, they, they have, uh, taking upon themselves to join in, in this and just saying, Hey, enough is enough. You know, this is a uh, 2020, you know, we've talked long enough. We've, uh, 
we've been uh, quiet and, and passive about this long enough. So it's time to uh, it's time for us to uh, take a little action against what's going on. Um, the the arrest and murder itself, it's um, I think it's typical. Um, I think the I think the police and I think uh, I think uh, they're a little out of control. They've militarized them. Uh, you know, they're uh, in here on the West Coast. We have a uh, we have problems with police brutality. You know, we've had Rodney King. We've had uh, other other things. We've uh, we've seen it. You know, firsthand. Um, throughout our communities here and uh, but we've also seen um, a lot of police corruption and we've dealt with uh, the different departments you know one corrupt official after another you know these guys are doing federal time and and this and this and that uh, so um, it's you know again you know we just uh, we're happy that these guys are being exposed you know we thought the gun would be, or taking up arms, would be the great equalizer, and now it's a cell phone camera. Mm. Mm. You know, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's yeah, and it's uh, now you know. Let let's see if uh, let's see if these people can believe their lie. If the if the jury can believe their lying eyes, or you know, you know, we'll see. Now that that remains to be seen. But in the meantime. Um, I, I I love how cohesive and and how unified the people are, you know. And it's just not uh, you know it's just not left up to the black people, or it's just not left up to the white people. I I I, I was waiting for the people, you know, we the people, to uh, to get together. Uh, and uh, and we have we've unified over this, um, and again, uh, that's that's the beauty of it. And I think I think this way, uh, I think something will be done. You know, uh, and uh, and I, I I think that uh, you know, and the rest of the world is watching too. But I think this way, uh, I think it's easier for for us to be heard, you know, a group with this grievances to be heard. And, um, and, uh, next go around, I think that we should, uh, we should stand up. This should be a common theme to stand up for each other because, uh, what we've seen and what we've witnessed, um, it was really wrong. Well, thanks to, uh, thank you both, you know, from, uh, for uh, speaking from from the heart there. Excellent point there, BT, about uh, the cell phone being the great equalizer and not the gun. The Black Panthers couldn't foresee technology or else they wouldn't have been standing there in those leather jackets with shotguns. Um, My thoughts uh, follow along your track, and you guys both brought up Ahmaud Aubrey, and I really hadn't even... You know, honestly, I hadn't even factored him into this. And it wasn't because I'm not disturbed by what I saw happening there, which I think is absolutely just disgusting 
And I had been venting anger about that and not, not even at the guys who did it, <laughs> you know, um, we've all encountered guys like that. We've all met guys like that. You know, those are the guys who called me nigger in my own neighborhood in front of my kids. So I don't even, I, I had blocked that out. And what happened when I saw what happened to George Floyd, I just go through the litany all over again. I mean, back up and watch BT, you know, I think it was like up on 156th street. We're like 10 years old and Eula Love is shot by all these LAPD over her water bill. Right. They show up and just shoot her like 10, 12, 14 times over a water bill. And that's the first time that you hear about this kind of stuff. And that's the first time when you learn like, hey, um, the police, I don't care what you see on TV. The police, they're not your friend. Watch out. And what kind of message is that to send to someone who's 10 years old? And I'm so sick of it. I'm so tired of it. We have friends who are police. We went to school with people who are police. I BT, you and I know somebody personally who is a very, very, very high-ranking police officer. We love that guy. I have people in my family who are police. I have my cousin's husband. He was murdered in the line of duty by an unarmed suspect. I get all of that. But at some point, man, it can't go from Eula Love to the Rampart Division, which is some of the corruption you were referencing, right? The Rampart Division where they were robbing stores and then answering the robbery call as police, where they were taking bloods and dropping them in crip neighborhoods and vice versa, where they were running drug gangs. That movie, uh, Training Day, is based on one of the officers in Rampart. People think that that was just Denzel taking a different role. That stuff was real, man. No, it's real. Yes. Wow. LA, LA County Sheriff, right? The last person you wanted to get on you was the L.A. County Sheriff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they can chase you around the whole county. Right. And do major damage to you and no one would believe you. It would always be your fault. I'm sick of it. Sick. And I'm sick of the justifications. I'm sick of the, well, he, the officer feared, feared for his life. Do you know I fear for my life? Just from speeding. Would I have to go see relatives in the in the South? So I've been sick of it. I was angry. I'm still angry about it. I try not to let it out too much. But I'm exhausted as much as I'm angry. I'm tired of it. I thought everyone that I see I think is the worst one and we're not going to go any further, right? So I see Eric Garner. Dying over cigarettes because somebody's trying to, the city of New York needs to collect taxes on cigarettes. And here's somebody selling unauthorized cigarettes one at a time and he's got to die. I see Walter Scott in South Carolina get pulled over for a busted taillight and get shot in the back as he's running away and the cop does no time. I'm sick of it. I'm exhausted of it. I'm tired of it. I go back in my own personal life. And maybe we'll talk about some of this, you know, in the next segment. But I go back in my in my own life. I've told this story before of, you know, I'm 16 years old. I'm in Fontana, California. My stepfather's in hospice. My mother's in there visiting him. It's the final days of his life. I'm sitting on a little uh, retaining wall in the parking lot drinking a Coca-Cola I bought from the Burger King. And as you know, BT, I was fond of wearing Burger King crowns on my head when I was 16 years old for some reason. And I'm sitting there 
drinking a soda and I'm approached by two armed officers with their guns pulled. And then two more show up after that with their guns pulled. And unless my mother comes out, I'm not even here today. Because, quote, I matched a description. A description of who? Who robbed somebody wearing a Burger King crown? And then I thought about that late years later when I'm in the car with my 16-year-old daughter driving her to school and I could predict what was going to happen. We're on, a, we're on a road where the speed limit drops suddenly and people always miss it and the police always trap people there. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this guy pass me in the next lane and there's a cop behind him, right? I even told my daughter, I said, watch what will happen. This guy will speed off. And I said, but the police are going to focus on us. And damned if it didn't happen, the guy just revs, guns it, gone. Cop starts to follow him, looks to his right, sees me, and just stops. And then we played this cat and mouse for three miles through the streets of Fort Worth. And if I hadn't pulled into a church where there were some ladies getting out of their car to go do God knows what, who knows what the cop does to us? I have my 16-year-old daughter. I'm telling her what to do, trying to get her braced for this cop to pull us over and seeing what happened, telling her to get her phone out, to record it, to try to call her mother, to make sure she didn't get shot, told her to get in the back seat, to try to hide. I'm trying to think of everything I could do. And who has to live like this under the police in your own country, in your own state, in your own town where you're a freeborn man? So I'm sick of it. I'm sick of like in, in Fort Worth a few years ago where a black mother called the police because this white guy assaulted her son, put his hands on his neck. And the next thing you know, it ends up with the mother and her daughter being hauled off to, to jail. And nobody cares, to your point, uh, BT, and to what you did, Jay, where you went to a Black Lives Matter rally and you're saying you guys are seeing different people rally to it because you're sick of it. When we have the rally in Fort Worth, nobody's there. There's a hundred black people out talking about it and no one knows about it. No one cares because their white 105 pound yoga pant wearing wear wife, she's not going to get her face smashed into the pavement. So it's just a black issue. It's not. And so, you know, I see all of that. And then, then I'm really disgusted by... I, I, we're going to differ here slightly, guys, because the looting and the fires and the beating the hell out of people and what I saw in Minneapolis stabbing a woman in a, in a wheelchair and spraying a, a fire extinguisher in her face. No, I'm not down with that either because we give up the moral high ground in two seconds after we gain it. Yes. I, I'm not down with that. I, I just hate that. And then when I saw that mayor... And when I saw the governor of Minnesota and they're both standing up there talking about, well, after 400 years, almost giving license to people to destroy black communities. What are you talking about, man? You got to send the police. Now the police need to go in there and do their job. And they ceded all that ground to people who would go in and destroy the black community. And we've seen it, BT. We saw it in the, in the Rodney King rights when Daryl Gates had the police pull back. What happened, man? They burned Watts down. But at the Latasha Harlan's uh, near riot, the LA County uh, sheriffs were there and they kept everything under control, which I'm glad for because I was like four blocks up the street when that happened and I was trying to like a fool get involved in it, right? So, you know, none of that is 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 good. We and and you both have made points about who, where's the leadership? Where are the people? 
saying enough of this. We're done. No, we don't have a Martin Luther King anymore. And I, I wrote about this today on my blog, Dominguez Valley Hospital blog. And I talked about the Edmund Pettus Bridge and how narrow it is and how steep it is and how, you know, King was able to inspire people to try to march, to march over that bridge against dogs, against fire hoses, against batons. And we lack that kind of moral clarity. We lack that kind of moral leadership now. We just do. And I, and, and these riots just take it all away. And it, it gives people an excuse, like in Jay McDraw's case, it gives people an excuse to say, oh, well, here's just that one thing again, you know. What are these blacks all riled up about? And it makes me tired. It makes me angry. It makes me sad. And I'm absolutely done with all of it. And if we don't get anywhere past this and this happens again, I honestly don't know what the excuse will be. And honestly, at that point, if this place burns, it burns because we never had a government of the people, for the people, by the people anyway. All right. That's my piece, long segment. We're going to come back after the break. I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to bring a couple of incidents to mind for Jay and BT and maybe ask them to comment. I know you're moth to flame, Jay, on... Uh, uh, some of the social media stuff, I'm going to give you a chance to sound off on some of the worst takes I've read on Twitter this past week. Maybe I shouldn't, but I am. And uh, it'll be entertaining, if nothing else. So we'll be back right after this break. All right, we're back. On the Black History uh, Fashion Show, talking about the murder of George Floyd. I'm here with uh, two special guests, Jay McDraw of the great state of South Carolina and our uh, Southern California correspondent, BT. Guys, um, so I'm going to come to you, uh, Jay McDraw. Years and years ago, I'm in the car with you and some of our friends. Um, you know, we are in a rural part of your great state, which is mostly rural, but this part is extra rural in my mind as we were traveling. And um, we're in the car and you are driving and you are speeding. <laughs> you were speeding. Oh, we were speeding right past the school, in fact. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, we were speeding right past right past the school, and uh, you know, here here are the lights, here's the whaler right behind us, and at that point, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, look at where we are, we're way in the country. I'm the only black guy in this car, and I'm thinking, how fast can I get into those woods, and how far can I get before people stop chasing me? Because somehow this is going to end up my fault. Just because of my prior experience, which I'll get to with uh, BT, I'm sweating bullets. I don't know that any of you noticed, but I was super uncomfortable. Like, oh my gosh, we just got pulled over in South Carolina and here comes this cop. And I know he's going to draw his attention to me, but guess what happens? He goes up to Jay McDraw and, he's, and asks for license, registration or whatever, license insurance. Jay hands it over to him. The uh, trooper looks at the identification and goes, I'm going to leave the name out. 
are you are you uh Jay McDraw's son and you say yes sir I am and he says well son I'm gonna just give you a verbal citation today slow down and he walked back to his car and my mind was blown I was like you can get a verbal citation <laughs> I'm like <laughs> is that is that's part of the thing you can you can get a verbal citation and you just walk back to your car I'm not, nobody's getting slammed and put on the sidewalk I'm on the side of the road nobody nobody's getting threatened or called names there's no guns drawn verbal citation so I was my mind was blown do you even remember that incident maybe four times in my entire adult life and I do not even remember this happening. Well, vaguely, were we in the hometown of Jay McDraw Sr. Yeah, we were. <laughs> we were on the way to see some other folks uh, in this part of the state uh, where uh, Jay McDraw Sr.'s got a lot, a lot of kinfolk. That's where we were headed. Yeah, I, I was, you know, because you and I traveled all over the place, right? So no no issues. I'm sitting there, my skin is crawling. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. And I have never forgotten that phrase, verbal citation in all my life. And I've, uh, you know, I've been pulled over a few times since then. I have not received a verbal citation. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to bring that to your mind. It just was... It was incredible to me, and I'll, I'll go to you, BT. There was a few times we got pulled over. Did, did we get any verbal citations? Uh, no, sir. We, <laughs> we, uh, we, were, we were threatened. We were threatened a few times, um, but but no, no, no verbal citations. Uh, I recall all, all, written, all written their citations in. Well, yeah, no, all they, written. O- only all written citations. Well, one was written, one was written where, uh, um, we were leaving a basketball game and, uh, BT was driving. He had a red Ford Escort. Now that thing was a ticket magnet anyway, but we had this, he had this red Ford Escort. Uh, he has his very fair, very blonde, very blue eyed girlfriend with us and, uh, we get pulled over on the on-ramp to the freeway. On-ramp now, on-ramp. And um, this isn't the first time we've been pulled over together. We've been pulled over for some, you know, uh, maybe I'll get to that in a little bit. We've been pulled over because uh, uh, BT's girlfriend, I mean girlfriend, his uh, sister, had a boyfriend who had a very nice BMW and... You know, being young men, we wanted to ride around in it and let people see us, which turned out to be a terrible decision because we constantly got pulled over and, and you know, uh, asked how many, how much drugs had we sold to get the car and what were we doing? And to the point where I was like, when, when BT wanted to get in that car, I was like, I'm not going with you, man. I'm going home. That, that's how bad it was. So here, here, um, in this instance, 
were pulled over. BT, you got pulled out of the car. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, because I, I told the, uh, the officer, because he was really, you know, just really snappy with me. And I told him, hurry up, man, and, and write my ticket, you know? <laughs> and, he's, and he, uh, and it was a motorcycle cop, and he pulled me out of the car. And he said, man, if, excuse, excuse me for the language. He said, man, if I, if I start kicking your ass right here on the side of this freeway, he says, nobody would do a damn thing. Yep. And, go ahead. And, uh, and, uh, so, so, uh, I, I, I walked back to the car and, um, he, uh, he picked apart my car. I just tinted my, I just tinted my windows and, uh, and he wrote me a ticket for the tent and he wrote a ticket. Um, he said I was doing 90 plus and, uh. I took the court. I took the ticket to court. I fought it. I told the judge. I said, "Your Honor, I have a Ford Escort." And he looked at the ticket and I said, "My car won't do eighty miles an hour." <laughs> 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 and and uh, so um, he charged me thirty five dollars uh, just for some sort of ad- administration fee because that the tent was fixed. And uh, I had somebody at the uh, at the market where I worked at to, uh, their, their, uh, friends or family to write it off for me. But yeah, um, you know, and, and that was all of 19, uh, uh, 87. Yes. Yeah, like 86, 87. He also, and, uh, yeah. Well, well, BT, he also asked your girlfriend, has she been kidnapped? Cause he saw me yeah, sitting well, there uh, with you. Uh, yeah, um, he, he, he did get he did put his hands on you um yeah. I I yeah. he grabbed me you know and, yeah you know and I was I was like wow but see this is um again being um you know being you know uh 18 17 18 years old up until now um you know it hasn't it hasn't their their attitude towards young young black men or young men I can only just speak from my experiences I it, it hasn't changed I mean these guys have been uh, I mean this is in them you know this is in the police force this is in the police policeman's head uh, and that's not the first time uh, my girlfriends have been asked. Uh, are you in the car, ma'am, under your own uh, <laughs> will? Yeah, right, right. Wow. You know, so it's 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 um, it's a different way of living, and and these are the things that uh, you know, young men, you know, ha- have to go through, and uh, and this is just it's just one of those things, and I know other guys haven't experienced it, and and uh, and uh, it. Uh, it grows on you the older you get, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, let's say the more risque the situations and stuff are. Uh, well, you know, let, let me jump in. Let me jump in there, BT, because I, 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 I stopped riding with you because we can't yeah. because we can't be in the car because the police were going to sure as sure as we're sitting there, we're going to get pulled and people are going to suspect 
you know, they're going to accuse us of selling drugs. They're going to toss the car, right? And it was just a matter yeah. of time, especially with my mouth. And I really, you know, I'm, I'm glad you were my friend because you were the more level-headed one in all these situations. Because as you know, I have kind of a mouth, right? And I, I'd like to run it. And so I would just follow your lead and you would be very level-headed in these situations. Because if I had been by myself, who knows? I, I, I'm certainly going to pop off, right? So yeah. I would always follow your lead, but it would get to the point where it's like, I don't even want to ride in this nice car. And then we're riding in, in not such a nice car, nice, nice for a 17 or 18 year old. But, you know, we're just going to a game and, and trying to go home. And um, here we are in this in this situation where it's just completely unjust. And you're you're saying, yeah, that's their attitude towards young men. I got news for y'all. I have been pulled over. I have been pulled over on my way from home from work in my 30s and in my 40s in a shirt and tie in my own neighborhood and have cops draw down on me, right? I had learned by then just to keep my hands on the steering wheel, to try to keep my, my voice down, keep my emotions out of it. But those are terrifying situations. I, I One in particular, I was in Northern California, just outside Sacramento. I'm on my way home. I could see my apartment. That's how close I was. I could see our apartment complex. I'm in a, this is 2000 and, uh, man, this is 2000. I'm driving in a 1986 Honda CRX, right? I'm in a white shirt with a tie. I'm on my way home and I'm pulled and here's the guns are on me. I'm out of the car. People, people who live in my apartment complex are, are driving by watching me, you know, being detained by the, by the police. It's humiliating. And I'm like, what, what? What's the deal? And again, I matched the I matched the description of a bank robber, and and I said, and his getaway car was a '86 Honda CRX, right? <laughs> you know, he had a he had a 14 year old getaway car, a, a Honda uh, hatchback, and at that point, that's where I thought I had gone too far, but I made it through that one, and you know, just and that wasn't the last time. There's been other times where I've been pulled over, you know, and I'm on my way. Home from work typically is when it happens, and it's just I'm in my 30s, late 30s, early 40s. I think the last time I got pulled, I was yeah, I was probably 39 years old, and I'm professionally dressed. I'm in a decent neighborhood, and I guess that's just too much to 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 fathom for some of the police officers. And again, gun in my face, and it's just like, and I'm pulled out of the car, and I'm sat down on this side of the road. And I've come through those situations, oh. but there's no camera phones in those days, right? There's no, there's no oh, one yeah. to, to speak for me. And even my friends would say, uh, you know, even my friends would say, you know, Lester's got kind of a big mouth. He probably got mad and who knows? And he probably provoked the police officers. I, I, I would have had even friends of mine or family members going, eh, well, maybe he did do something, right? And nobody would believe that I did nothing and just obeyed every command. So... You know, it's, it's, it's something, yeah, you kind of got to live through it. You got to see it to, to understand what we're really talking about. And it's a problem and it's not, it may be in our communities more, uh, more than others, these kinds of confrontations or incidents, but it, it doesn't mean that the, that it doesn't affect everyone and it affects people. You know, police give testimony. They lie under oath. We know this. And yes. so it doesn't just stay with oh, yeah. the traffic stop, right? So, um, you know, 
it, it's it's terrible. And I, I thought of both of you guys this week, and I thought about lots of those inc- those incidents we had, BT, and the incident I had with you, uh, Jay, and and, they, and how different they were, and non confrontational, and it's like two different planets. And even though the police officer knew your father, he didn't know you, right? But you were treated with respect. I, I, it's, it's a rarity for me to count interactions with police where I'm treated with respect. That is not the norm. I'm sad to tell people. Um, all right, let me get you guys thoughts on some of these bad takes I, I saw because I've been on social media too much and uh, it's not good for me. So how about this take? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I hate all of these takes. I hate all these takes. Well, here, here's one. Let's, let's start with this one. Well, if George Floyd were white, we wouldn't even hear about this case. Wow. How's that land with you? I, 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 I've read that one a lot. Uh, um, if he were white and poor, homeless, maybe. <laughs> and that is something I'm hearing. I'm, I'm reading from you know right wing commentators and even left wing commentators, and it's just leaving me speechless. Like, what what is the point you're trying to prove with that statement? Let's say that they're correct. Does that make it okay? I, I don't even understand the point that's being made. I think so many people are desperate to find a way to go back to normal as quickly as possible. That somehow that point makes sense in some way to them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've seen people bringing up the, uh, the incident of, I guess this was last summer or the summer before, uh, there was a white woman in Minneapolis that was shot by a officer, black officer. Yep. He was Somali. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And they want to know why there wasn't outrage there, but of course, if anyone has, with a pulse has read the internet over the last two years, they know that the man was arrested and he was all over the place and he's serving time for that. Yeah, he's doing 12 years. I moved up there right when he got sentenced. He got 12 years. Yeah, it's a terrible comparison. But if I argued with everybody, I saw, every time I saw that come up in the last week, wow, I wouldn't have time to do much else. Well, here, let me run this one by you. Um, let me run, let me see. Let me run this one by you. Well, actually, we get the well actually guy. They're all over the place. Well, actually, more whites are shot by police than than blacks. Oh gosh! Okay. BT, you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that uh, that's uh, pretty crazy to me. Um, it's it's what? Are you, so, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to uh, go tit for tat or justify? justify this uh i i don't um you know i i've heard that because i i live in a little uh horse town uh and uh and these guys are they're all uh magda people you know and uh and and they don't know why and uh Little uh, go 
And I'm like, well, um, okay, you know, you, you guys aren't upset by that or, or, or anything. Right, you know, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, doesn't that make you mad? <laughs> yeah. Right, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, why, why does that make it and good? Then, wow, more know, people I, are I, even I, shot. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> How is well, that a well, win? Right on. You, right on. You guys, you guys should, <laughs> instead of, Instead of uh, instead of um, fighting with me or 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 you know you guys should you know now we have some common ground we should get together on this you know what I mean you guys should be upset just as uh, or just you guys should be just as upset as I am about about the situation about you know just um, you know police brutality. And just you know, those right, guys right, overstepping their boundaries. But um, but no, that's um, it's uh, it's crazy because uh, they don't believe that the police are. There's a segment of society that don't believe that the police are here for them. You're absolutely right. I mean, they, the people who say that they they see themselves as law-abiding citizens, quote unquote, and. And there's no reason that they would ever be shot that they could foresee. Yeah, so <laughs> right. they, they can live their lives managing not to be shot by police. And why can't everyone else, whether they're white or black? That, that's yeah, the, yeah. that's the, what I see coming from these people. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a no. checkmate. It's not a checkmate. It's a sad commentary. Oh, so wow, you know, are, are we supposed to celebrate that more people are shot? I, I, I don't I don't even get it. I mean, never mind that. Speaking, you know, percentage-wise, that uh, black man or woman is what is it, two and a half or three times more likely to be shot than a white person. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a it's a it's a Hall of Fame bad take, and I'll, I'll hit you with this last yeah. one. Then we'll go to break, and we'll come back, and I'll get you guys final thoughts. But here here's here's the one that really, to me, and you see it a lot from black conservatives. Uh, and full admission, I was one at one point, you know, barely, but I was, and it's just, uh, it, it makes me makes me cross-eyed. And here, here it goes. It goes, well, why aren't blacks rioting about black on black crime? And then, like you know, some some guy will get choked out by the police, and the first thing they go to is, well, you know, more blacks were killed in Chicago last weekend. You know, I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about this this murder done under the color of uniform. We're not talking about civilians killing one another. This is a different category, but that's a standard go-to card. Why are you mad about this, but not mad about that? That one, I really probably hate the most of these three. What, what do you guys say? It's, it's the one I grind my teeth over when I read it, yes. It absolutely is. As if they have any idea whether people are addressing that or not. Yeah, as if people in those it's, neighborhoods it's, aren't addressing it themselves. It, it's one hundred percent deflection, and yeah, it, it is. Yes, and we know that we know that people work in those neighborhoods, and they have for a long time, and we know you know myriad of reasons why that happens in a city like Chicago, but they're not the, the people who say that would ever deign to address the issue. Just pure deflection and, and justification. Yeah. 
with you guys on that too. It uh, it, it drives me crazy, uh, and that's that's probably after that and the last question. Uh, you know, with uh, well, you know, there's more white people getting shot than black people, or, or losing their lives than black people. Um, uh, after those two questions, because they usually pop up in the in the same conversation. Um, they're uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're linked in the same uh, same breath. Sometimes that's when I usually lose it, and uh, <laughs> I'll, end, I'll I'll end up having to repent later what, I, what I've said to a person. But um, but yeah, uh, Lester, may I ask one question? Yeah, go ahead. Tonight, yeah, of, of the panel, you guys. Uh, why do the police fear us? Because I can, I can go and and live, work, travel through the same place that they patrol, and get in and out of the car with my family without a gun. And, and, and they can have a gun and they're still so afraid. And they are the authority figure and they're still so afraid. I mean, that's a great question. Uh, BT, I, I don't know why anybody would feel like they need to pull a gun on me. I'm an average size dude, you know, right? Um, yeah. I I don't like if I'm drawing a gun on someone, it's because I'm protecting myself. I there is some fear involved, and I've I've wondered like, why are you pulling the gun on me, man? I mean, what? Where is it that you know what has happened to you where you feel like this interaction with this regular looking black dude? in a late model car in a shirt and tie you feel like your revolver needs to be needs to come out needs to make an appearance right so yeah. i i don't i can understand now I, I i know you're gonna police in some areas man if i'm policing baltimore if i'm policing oakland if i'm policing like you know the watts long beach corridor yeah you know you see some stuff i'm sure you see some violence i'm sure you see things where you're like wow that's that's not right but on the other hand, I mean, like you said, I can live in, I have lived in some of those areas, right? I go there, I eat, I go to restaurants, I, I play play ball at the park, I see my, see my relatives, right? And I'm not afraid and, and I'm not armed. So, and I don't know everybody there. So I, 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 you know, it's a good question. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to go anywhere in the United States, um, and I'll go there without a gun, man. And those guys can, can patrol a, a certain, a certain area for until they retire. And yet they're, you know, yet they're afraid all that time or, 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 or something or they, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. But I, I think that uh, 
I, I, I don't know. This is crazy. I was, I posed that question, I think, to one of my children, one of my sons. I have two sons, and uh, Lester and Jay, and I, you know, and I sit there and I, I rehearse with them how to act. Wow, you know, yeah. uh, oh, I've done that. I've, d- I've done that with my daughters in grocery, in uh, like Targets and different stores. I'll say, let's play a game. And, and we just watch the people who are watching us like we're going to shoplift. And we've, you know, we've played that game and I've told them like how they need to behave, you know, in, in public so that they don't draw attention, unnecessary attention or aggressive attention. Yeah, I've absolutely done that. I mean, I have daughters. If I had sons, I don't know what I'd do. I'd lose my mind if I had a son, right? And now I know how, like my, my mom would be, you know, fretful and giving me all this fretful advice when I would leave the house a lot of times with you. <laughs> right. And I'd be like, what are you worried about? I'm not worried about anything. And then over time now I've seen. You know, I know what she's worried about, right? I could be totally in the right and not doing anything wrong and not make it home that night. And who wants to live like that? Yeah, can I ask a classic question of you two then? Have you ever been in an encounter with law enforcement or any authority where you've managed to shift the tone of the encounter um, either by your... I don't know, for lack of a better word, docile behavior or conversational tone, maybe something that started out tense that you were able to um, kind of bring down the tone a little bit? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, I have. Uh, I have, Jay. I have, and, um, it's, I, I do it every time they pull me over because they're scared. And they're scared, and and I have to, I have to, I have to take on a whole different tone. I can't just say what I want to say to them. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, my sister, my sister's one. You know, she's a, you know, she's you know well educated and and uh, and everything, and she'll argue with the police, and I have to tell her. I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the back, so she goes, "Leave that Mm -hmm. man alone. I'll pay the ticket. Let's go." You know. Now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. I I I know your sister. She gonna argue pretty much with anybody. But go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, but 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 yeah, it's um, you know, I um, yeah, I turn into a different person around around the cops because see, I'm nervous too. Because you sure? Well, you are, and and it's it's an instinct probably by then just to get through the situation. I'm, yeah, and, and yeah, and, I, and 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 I'm and I'm trying to be, uh, and then uh, sometimes it's backfired, and then I had to to go a, no, a different way because the more the more docile I've got, he, you know, they became a little bit more hostile. Like, okay, they want to be the dominant figure, mm. you know, they want to make yeah. sure they're in control of the situation and all of that. And um, I've had um. In a, in a town called Irvine, uh, I've left, I was working at a, a BMW store there, and they, uh, you know, backup came. And, uh, and, uh, and then it was, and then it was two. You know, and then they began to, uh, you know, chill out a little bit amongst each other. They had a little fun with the whole situation. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and uh, and yeah, so yeah, I I've uh, I've had to use uh, uh, 
a lot, man. I've had to, you know, to pray in some situations. But I, I've always remained respectful and everything because, uh, because again, uh, you know, prior to you there, on the police and and to be careful and stuff. Their mom and dad told them. So this is like a generational thing where where other kids don't don't grow up like that. You know, this is, this is just isn't this just something. You know, the way the police has has, has treated uh, treated blacks or, or minorities or or just the people that they want to pick on. You know, I'm sure down south in there's certain areas and 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 whatnot. And, uh, you know, like a homeless white person or something, you know, we had a case in Orange County here where they beat up this um, homeless white man who had schizophrenia and his dad was a retired sheriff. Yeah. Oh, but when they found out who his dad was, oh, you know, and then his dad, you know, went against the went, went against the, the, the department and all of that. But he just he just. uh you know, went against the department to uh, to help his son. And after that, he laid back down. After they got, you know, two or three million dollars, he laid back down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but somebody else's son is out there. You know, he probably accosted someone else's son before. Yeah. You know, this should. Yeah. So it's. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, Jay. I've uh, I've used uh, every trick in the book to. Uh, you know, you know, talk to them about the BMW motorcycle that they were driving because I was a BMW salesman. Uh, yeah, I've used every trick in the book sometimes wow. to defuse a situation um, uh, to, to become, to make myself, to humanize myself to them, to mm. make myself more friendly to them. Yeah. Well, that's... Well, I'm sorry to cut you off there, uh, B, but yeah, that's a great word to humanize yourself because watching that cop with his knee on George Floyd's neck, I'm thinking, does he not know that that's a human being he's on top of? He's not on a lazy boy recliner. And it's just, what does it take for people to see that they're interacting with a human being? And, you know, to answer your question, and I'm going to get us out of this segment, uh, but no, I don't have any tricks, man. I keep my mouth shut and stare straight ahead or straight down. I don't even make eye contact. And it's a really, and that's not the kind of person I am. You guys both know me, right? I'm going to talk, right? And talk to you and uh, tell you what I'm thinking. That's just how I am. And then in these situations, I find myself, uh, and I deal with authority, right? We all deal with different types of authority. But this particular authority, I feel like, you know, my life could be in the balance and then I just try to get through it and endure it and then get to the other side and get home. Right. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's degrading, it's degrading and it's, it's horrible. And I, I, uh, you know, you, some things you can only know because you experienced it. And this is one of those things. So guys, I'm gonna get us out of this break. Appreciate your comments. When we come back, I want to get your, thoughts maybe some projections or some hopes and then uh, we'll close out the show
All right, we're back here on the Black History Fashion Show here with Jay McDraw, a longtime friend of mine from South Carolina and a prior guest on the Black History Fashion Show, BT, longtime friend of mine from Southern California. We've been having, I think, a very bracing and, and enlightening conversation so far about what has happened in the George Floyd case um, and some of the commentary around it, surrounding it and also some of our own personal experiences. And where I want to go to with you guys now uh, is here about, let, let's talk a little bit about hope and change. You know, um, I, I want to give you guys the floor again as, as we wrap up uh, to hear a little bit about what you are hoping for you know, you talked some about it in the opening segment, I think, BT, about what, what your hopes are coming out of this and, you know, what changes would you want to see? So I'll, I'll, I'll start start with you, BT. Like, you know, you talked earlier about it was heartening to see people of all races rallying to this. And I'll say this. I heard Rush Limbaugh, of all people, on The Breakfast Club this morning talking about it and totally saying, yeah, this is horrible and it's not acceptable and it's not right and it was murder. So that was that was good to hear. We need to hear people of all races and, and people of all ideological persuasions on this. And so you kind of alluded to that. But I want to hear a little bit, you know, from you about, you know, what changes do you think would you like to see come out of this? Or will there be any changes or, or what are your hopes or, or fears in this situation? OK, well, well, thanks for having me again, uh, Lester. And uh, I. uh what I hope for out of this situation, I hope that uh, everyone would just see things for what they what they really are, and you know the polarization of, of stereotypes. I wish those things would go away. Um, I also would, uh, I would just hope that we all can, uh, it sounds so cliche but, you know, we, I wish we all could get along. There's so much, there's so much more that we can do and how strong we could be together than racially torn apart and, you know, we're here, there, all over the place. You've got, you know, a sect of people that are, that are, that are racist. You've got the Democrats versus the Republicans. And, you know, it's, you know, we're so scattered and so confused as a people. You know, um, I, I just think that we should, we should get out from under the umbrella of confusion and, and, and come together. You know, we've dealt with this pandemic. We've, uh, you know, we've dealt with that together. You know, um, I think that, you know, things like this draw us closer, you know, because every time we seem like we go through something as a nation, you know, we, we, we tend to put differences aside and, you know, pull together, get through it, and then we go back to to being uh, crazy people again. You know, um, but I uh, hope and uh, 
again, I just hope that, man, we can all just uh, just uh, see things for what they really are, pick our heads out of the clouds, see things for what they really are, and uh, address these issues as, uh, you know, rightfully, just as we're supposed to. Uh, and uh, and I think we'd, we'd be better off in the long run, you know, um, and uh, what was the second question, Lester? Well, I, you hit him. Just like your hopes, uh, and uh, you know, uh, and, and maybe any changes. You know, I mean. Yeah, and oh, okay. The changes, the changes going forward. Um, I think, uh, I think we should just reinvest in ourselves, reinvest in our families, and really reinvest in education. You know, the first cuts that they always make are education. And that's been bugging me uh, here lately. You know, you turn around, uh, you know, they're cutting education. And I, I think um, I think the kids need a socialization. And they need the social skills. They need, they need that. It's, uh, and I think that... Uh, between Jay, my, uh, yourself, Lester, and myself, we've been we've been really socialized. We were lucky to have the type of parents that we did have, okay, and and how we were brought up. Uh, and uh, and education was big in our house. I know education was big in your house, Lester, and uh, and I'm sure it was with Jay and his family. Okay, the things that uh, but. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I just think that yeah, we need to really educate ourselves, and we really need to socialize ourselves, and uh, and uh, and just realize we're all here together. We're we're on this island together, so we might as well make the best of it. You know, and true, true enough, there isn't a shortage of idiots. You know, there never has been. Yeah, you know, there never will be, probably. But. Uh, um, but we can, uh, there's a place for idiots. And... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well said. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll end your segment on okay. that on that hopeful note there. There's a place for idiots. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to that theme some other time. So, uh, uh, Jay, tell us about where, where, where you, what are you looking at? Hmm, going forward? Yeah. Here? Yeah, or hopes, well, fears. I hope so. Well, yes. Um, uh, BT mentioned uh, in our first segment. He mentioned. He, I think he was. He made a note of the solidarity in the response of the George Floyd murder scene, and that really has made an impression to me too. And I, I don't know if it's going on across the nation, but I've seen it. Uh, coming across on media, I've seen it in a lot of places, but Sunday afternoon in, in our nearby city at Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter's rally, um, it was attended by people of all ages, all colors, um, moms and dads with grade schoolers and older folks, people who were still dressed coming from church, people who were on the way to church as soon as the rally ended, um, it was, it gave me a little bit of hope that people can come together on something like this, and 
even though we were at a Black Lives Matter rally, it's like everyone understood that the the two was implied, and I've seen it that way. People question why is it called Black Lives Matter? Well, the two Black Lives Matter two is implied. All lives matter is what everybody likes to say, um, but I use it as a deflection. But you know, the point. I think the point of the name of the organization was that hey, we're here, and we, you know, you've got to recognize this. And that's what I saw Sunday afternoon. Was a lot of people recognizing that we were all here together. One of the chants was, um, "We need you," and Everyone else responded, we got you. And we did that for you know, about two hours, along with a lot of other chants. But um, people were standing next to each other and standing up for each other. So that gave me a little bit of hope that I can't say I always carry around with me. I tend to be pessimistic in a lot of these situations. But that one made me feel pretty good. Um, you know, policy-wise... What are we going to see happen from this? Um, you know, I, I hope we see some real leadership on matters of law enforcement and how it's conducted, both at the local level and the state level. Um, you know, I'm not going to talk about the the president of this country. That's that's the whole other that's a whole other thing. But um, you know, he I don't see any real leadership coming from that direction. Um, he, he's more of an instigator than anything. But I think on the local and state level, we could see um, improvements on how how law enforcement behaves. Um, I, there are areas where things seem to be good, and there are areas where things seem to be just perfectly awful. I don't have a lot of experience with big, big, big cities like some of you, some of you have had, um, so I don't get to see that. But here, you know, our police do okay, but there's, again, they're not really stressed out a lot either. Not, not to, probably not in the ways that other places and big cities are. So I hope policy-wise we start to see some kind of uniformity, um, training, education, community involvement. Those are the kind of things that I think have to happen. And I'm getting my, my sociology degree on right now. <laughs> Make it pay off, baby. Make it pay off. Don't get to use it in my professional life. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was. Thank you, uh, thank you guys uh, uh, both for that. I, I, you know, we're gonna wrap up the show here. Um, 
and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, my piece on it is, uh, my hope is that the, the black trauma narrative ends. And what I mean by that is the things that happen to us happen to us as Americans. They don't happen to us in isolation. You know, police weren't drawing their guns on me while I was in Ghana. Right. Um, <laughs> the bad public schools, the terrible public schools that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemies, children, they were all in the United States. They weren't in Angola or, or, or South Africa. Right. And so these things that, that we talk about and have talked about for years and years and years and years. Right. BT, you and I were talking about the Rampart Division back in the 80s. Right. We didn't. I don't know that we knew it was called the Rampart Division, but we knew these things were happening. We were talking about with our, with our cousins. We were talking about with, with each other, and no one does anything, right, until it spills over into some other community. Then it's like a scandal. But when it happens to us, it's a, it's a quote, black issue, close quote, right? Well, there are no black issues. There's not one black issue. This is a republic. We're all citizens here. There's no black issue. We all have represented. We have a representative government. If there is a bad police force in the town, it's a bad police force for the town. If there are bad public schools in an area, those are bad public schools in that area. It drags all of us down. So I would like to see that end. I would like to, uh, and I'm going to word this very carefully so people understand what I'm talking about, and I'll explain it a little bit, but I would like to really see the era of black power begin. And what I mean by that, I don't mean dudes in dashikis running around with rifles. And I don't mean guys with berets and black leather jackets, you know, talking about overthrowing the government. That's not what I mean by the era of black power. What I mean by that is BT and I, we are first generation of black people born with all of our full civil rights guaranteed under the law. We are the first ones. And our kids are this are the next generation, right? So what are we doing with all of that? I know what our forefathers did. They they started whole baseball leagues out of nothing. They started businesses. They started, um, you know, these people are talking about Black Wall Street and pulling it in Tulsa. That's incorrect. It was in Durham, North Carolina. They started insurance companies. They started their own social welfare um, um, uh, nets, right? So if someone lost a job, they didn't lose their home. They did a lot of ingenious uh, things. They put those into place to help each other, to protect each other, and to get through the hell that they were taking 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? People with third grade educations went on and started institutions in this country that benefited people for generations. So here we are now past all of that in the promised land, so to speak. And what do we do with all this cash we have? We have loads of cash. We have leisure time. Our kids go, we can afford to send our kids to great schools. We can travel. We're popular. Now, all of a sudden, it's popular to be black. That's not something I thought would ever happen in my lifetime where people are even pretending to be black. What? Who wants to pretend to be black? Are you kidding me? I'm like Dave Chappelle, man. If I could quit the game, I would, right? But now there are people who are pretending to be black. It's crazy. You know, uh, black entertainers 
are and and uh, athletes are, are the most admired and respected people in the society. So what do we do with all of our actual capital and with all of this social capital? What are we doing with it? What are, what are we creating that would alleviate some of this? I agree with you, BT, about the education. Well, what are we doing? We don't need to go begging anybody to help us in our neighborhoods. We got enough money as it is, but then you'll have somebody like uh, Dr. Dre give USC, the University of Southern California, the University of Spoiled Children, Dr. Dre will give them $35 million? He won't even give 35 cents to Compton, but he made his name on Compton. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. So I'd like to see the era of black power begin. I'd like to see black people step up in this country as as full-fledged citizens, and I'd like to see us make a huge contribution, even more of a contribution than we've made. And I'd like to see us patch up some of these holes. And I'd like to see us speak up more independently and not on behalf of a political party and not on behalf of an ideology. I'd like for us to speak up for ourselves, not to denigrate any other group or to put them down, but to actually take our place in this society and help everyone and make it known these issues aren't black issues. Stop owning them. So that would be my hope and change. And I'm going to leave us here with this. I'm going to leave the audience with this warning. Um, I'm watching what's happening in Minneapolis. And BT, you know where I'm going with this. I'm watching what's happening. Yes, the police officer was, was fired and he was arrested. Already we have dueling medical examiner reports. One says he's on drugs. The other says he isn't. One says, well, he had bad heart. The other one says George Floyd didn't. So we've got two different medical examiners. If I'm an attorney for this guy, for this officer, I'm not having a trial in the Twin Cities. I'm having a trial out in farmland. And then I'm watching this, this governor who is totally clueless appoint a guy who is polarizing in his own state as the attorney, you know, as the prosecutor, this Keith Ellison. And I want to warn this audience right now. I'm telling you today, you heard it here First, on the Black History Fashion Show, because I don't see anyone else talking about it, we are headed for an acquittal. We are headed for a hung jury. We're headed for that guy walking out of jail, a free man. Be prepared for that. You all thought that those cops were going to jail in the Rodney King thing. I never for once thought they were going to jail. BT, you probably didn't think they were going to jail either, because we'd seen it too many times. The way to bet on this is for that officer Chauvin, I think that's how you say his name, is for him to walk. That's where the betting money should be. And I want this audience to understand that that is definitely in play. And that is definitely the trajectory that this issue, that this uh, event is taking. And when that happens, what you have seen in the streets so far is going to pale as to what is coming. You need to brace yourselves for it and more than brace yourself You need to be talking and having these kinds of conversations with your neighbors, with people in authority, with whomever you can to hold your communities together. Because I'm telling you right now, when that when that officer, when they when the jury says we couldn't reach a verdict. Or heaven forbid, they find him not guilty and he walks out of there free man. This country is going to get rocked 
like you've never seen it rocked before and don't get caught off guard. We need to be thinking about how we're going to come through this on the other side as the United States of America hand in hand. Because there are things we take for granted that can come apart very quickly. And I hate to be pessimistic. I hate to end this show like this because you guys have both been great guests. I knew you would be. But I want to put that out there. Don't think that this is over. Don't think that this is a slam dunk. We've seen it before. And do what you can to prepare yourself and do what you can to make sure that you are in communication with everyone and we can face it for what it is. So, uh, BT, Jay McDraw, thank you guys. Thanks for coming on. It's late here. We'll post this on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, you guys take care out there. And you can catch what I wrote recently uh, today on the Dominguez Valley Hospital blog. You can always catch me on Twitter. Catch me on Twitter at... Uh, Lester of Compton. And until next time, later, homies. Mm-hmm.